The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be doing a follow-up on the last time we covered Doug Wilson, which was his relationship with Side B Theology, and how I covered how we were all surprised, or at least a lot of us, on the Evangelical Conservative side who fight for the truth of the church. Uh, We were surprised that Doug Wilson seems to be supportive of the same side B theology that we are trying to anathematize and we're going to be doing a follow-up because Doug Wilson has responded to Jared Moore and many others who have risen up to challenge Doug Wilson's views on this subject and we're going to be talking about that but first this is the Evangelical Dark Web and The least you can do to support us is like the video and subscribe to the channel. Those help with the YouTube algorithms and podcast algorithms and all that other stuff. But we do have a Patreon-like system at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join that you can sign up for to get extra benefits, extra content, and an upcoming book uh, for certain tiers. So with that said, Let us dive into the subject at hand. Here's the last video that I did and the last podcast and last article and all that other stuff about Doug Wilson being called out for supporting Side B Theology. This had to do with Jared Moore's interview on John Harris's Conversations That Matter podcast. Uh, And just a quick overview, Side B teaches that homosexuality or homosexual orientation or attraction is not sin, and the idea that sinful desires are not sinful, as opposed to the Ten Commandments, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and Reformed Confessions of Faith. So it stands in direct contradiction of that. And I noted on the issue, Doug Wilson has a wavering position. So we talked about Doug Wilson's wavering position and how he does not Uh, consistently view homosexual desires as uh, sinful. So this will also showcase itself today. And this article that is going to be paired with what I'm doing right here is titled Doug Wilson doubles down on errant side B theology. So it is based off of this very long winded article and post titled concupiscence is as concupiscence does, which is a very colloquial title, you know, kind of reminiscent of stupid is as stupid does Forrest Gump. But this post is anything but. 
the word count of this post is around 4,389 words. So nearly 4,400 words to respond to a simple question, to respond to, in my mind, a simple but important controversy. I don't think this is that complicated of an issue, but we'll see that Doug Wilson's argument really falls apart. So I'm using the highlights that I have in the article that I wrote, and that's just, you know, to me, going to be helpful for guiding our conversation through this very long-winded article that Doug Wilson made. And I think he also has a video on YouTube uh, about same length as the audio recording of the article. So with that said, uh, Doug Wilson has uh, begins by chiding Jared Moore. So he talks about the interview with... Uh, John Harris, and he kind of chides Jared Moore. Jared Moore said that I was one of the elites and that I thought myself above interacting with lowly types like him. Now, Doug Wilson then goes on to say how many emails he gets to kind of obfuscate this issue. The point that I believe that Jared Moore was making was that Doug Wilson believes he's above taking corrective action after being called out by people like Jared Moore, because Jared Moore does reply to, uh, sorry, Doug Wilson does reply to Jared Moore prior to, I believe, this interview, and certainly after this interview aired. And in the process, uh, Doug Wilson does not take corrective action. So I believe that's what Jared Moore was referring to. That could be the charitable reading of that, but, uh, Nonetheless, that's where we're at. So he does then go on to reaffirm his views on the Westminster Confession of Faith. And he also wants to double down that his statement to his question and answer to this guy named Noah was not a contradiction of that, which, again, I would wholeheartedly disagree. Uh, So that because his answer to Noah here is side is an example of side B theology. Someone who professes side B theology would have no problem agreeing with everything that Doug Wilson says in his response here. So what we're going to focus on is this pair. These two paragraphs are the money of this entire post and they collapse his argument. So uh, with that said, Doug Wilson reaffirms orientation. So, Again, we're going to read the highlights here. And in their context, our corruption of nature, Doug Wilson says, is truly and properly sin. And this includes everyone, not just homosexuals. Apart from the imputation of Christ's righteousness, this corruption alone would be sufficient grounds for damnation. And I agree with that. Amen to that. That is true. Our original sin that we are born into is sufficient grounds for eternal damnation. We need to be saved from that. And we also need to be saved from the actual sin that we have committed. But our nature is so corrupt that God would be righteous in punishing it. So Doug Wilson goes on to say, when I say that a Christian, a member of say Christ's church in good standing has a homosexual orientation, I am not talking about his or her identity. No Christian's identity is or is or ever is is or ever to be found in any sin or corrupt trait, but rather in Christ alone. 
So first of all, this is, again, I want to commend Doug Wilson for having a correct understanding of original sin here. Yet, he this is followed by what I would call an unforced error. Because Doug Wilson contradicts himself. Doug Wilson says that a Christian in his church had a homosexual orientation. He is assigning this said person, this said Christian, a f- identity. That's what orientation means. We can go to the definition of sexual orientation, and it clearly says a person's sexual identity or self-identification, and then it goes on to list certain identifications. That is what the word means. And I do believe that Doug Wilson wants to change the definition of orientation, sexual orientation. He wants to change the definition of that. But I'm certainly not going to allow him to. And I also believe that Doug Wilson contradicts his newfound, uh, his newfound definition of sexual orientation. So he then goes on to say, so the word orientation can legitimately be used simply to describe how a person is likely to be tempted this time tomorrow. The mere fact of this likely line of temptation is not sin, but the temptation does depend some of its force on the corruption of nature, which is sin. This is basically homosexuality or sorry, sexual orientation with extra steps. Uh, orientation refers to a fixed, a person's fixed or self identity. Now, as Christians, we kind of believe that these are not fixed or immutable because we know that Christ has the power to change our ways. He has the power to change us. Doug Wilson's use, uh, use and adaption of sexual orient, adoption of sexual orientation is a compromise. I want to point that out. That is a compromise. This is the same compromise we saw in Al Mohler when he repented of not accepting sexual orientation in 2014. But in the same speech, Doug or Al Mohler also tried to maintain that it would not be the identity of a person. But he accepted sexual orientation, but didn't want to accept the identity, which, newsflash, spoiler alert, identity is tied in with the definition. This is the same compromise Doug Wilson has made, the same one as Al Mohler, and is the same argument of side B theologist, or same premise, I should uh, specify. So I have a nice handy-dandy chart here that I hope is pretty helpful for explaining this issue. Belief in sexual orientation. Side A, which is a shorthand for acceptance. So side A is like full heretic, Matthew Vines. We're going to promote homosexuality as good. Uh, Side A is all about that. They say yes to this question. Side B also says yes to this question. Now they draw the line at acting on these desires, acting on this orientation. They draw the line there, supposedly. Now... Doug Wilson is also in the yes category. He does accept orientation as a premise. He tries to redefine it, but I don't think he really gets it away. And his definition isn't distinct enough. And I think his definition is still in line with side B theology. And then the orthodox position is no. We don't accept this Freudian concept. We don't accept it. So the next part, and I'll show you in context. It's the next. It's the very next paragraph. So we're at this paragraph, and the highlighted part is the uh, part that I just read. The next part is this, and this is where 
Doug Wilson further shoots himself in the foot. So the key distinction of side B theology is that they recognize that homosexual acts are sinful, but they accept that homosexuality is part of a person's identity. They tolerate homosexual desires as compatible with the Christian walk and are not to be mortified. Doug Wilson, while not as brazen as the Revoice movement, I do want to make that clear. He's not on the same level as them, but he is adopting the same arguments. Gets caught doing the same thing here. So this is the major... Uh, to me, this is the this is the card that completely flops this whole house of cards here. We just take it out. This is the Jenga board really just coming out uh, and following the Jenga tower. And Doug Wilson says, there's an important distinction to be made between the word sin and the phrase sin. Say that a Christian with homosexual vulnerabilities, and I want to talk about that term for a second. I'm going to agree with Protestia on the use of the term homosexual vulnerabilities is helpful. I agree with that language. I agree with that. That is a good way to word and set up a situation. Sees a pop-up ad that would take him to a homosexual porn site. Now, I want to pause right there uh, because this is 2023. This isn't how the internet works. I use Brave Browser, which has Adblock built in. So, you know, we definitely don't see that here. So this is the same example of temptation that was used in the Fireproof movie, movie oddly enough. And I, I will say that this is a legitimate example of temptation. Temptation is external. Sinful desires are internal. But we're going to but we're going to read the rest of the sentence. So, and the moment it hits him, this is Doug Wilson continuing, and the moment it hits him, it looks good to him. So, what Doug Wilson just described was a Christian with homosexual vulnerabilities sees a uh, gay porn ad and momentarily thinks that it is good. That is what Doug Wilson just described there. The reason it looks good to him is because of a of the particular kink in his in his corruption of nature, which is sin, Doug Wilson says. But if he immediately rejects the invitation within a second and walks away from it, then he has navigated the situation correctly without being guilty of sin, of a sin. He has gone through a temptation, but is not guilty of sin. His corruption of nature is sin, but we do not have to confess our corruption of nature the same way we confess a particular sin. So this is Doug Wilson elaborating on the answer that he gave this Noah person that we talked about in the previous instance of us talking about Doug Wilson on this issue. So, you know, in the, this is the sequel you know, video. This is a sequel video. In the original, we talked about the Noah thing. This is an elaboration on the same thing. This is a compromised answer, and Doug Wilson just gave it away here. He said that it is not sinful to look at a gay porn ad and think that it looks good. 
I would disagree. I would draw the line there. If he had just removed that part of the sentence, I would agree with his conclusions. So he is one phrase away from me agreeing with him because I agree. Hey, an ad pops up like this is 2002, the internet in 2002, an ad pops up, you exit out. He creates something called a one second rule as Protestia kind of notes. And, you know, he doesn't give into it. He acknowledges the temptation. He correctly takes the thought captive and expels it. And does not succumb. That would be an example of biblically navigating a sinful temptation. Or a temptation without being guilty of a sin. What Doug Wilson described was someone thinking, making a value judgment that was sinful. This is a fatal error. If if homosexual porn looks good to something, the sin to, looks good to someone, the sin has been committed. It looking good is a value judgment that is an affront to God's righteous standard. Doug Wilson goes on to compare the situation to Adam, who had a desire to be like God. Now, he doesn't necessarily use it in that language, but, you know, in his uh, later part, he does go to Adam. And he talks about Adam being tempted before he first sinned. Uh, And I want to make a clear distinction here. Uh, one that Wilson doesn't seem to understand here. External temptation is often a good out is often good outcomes presented through evil means. Does that make sense? Uh, being being like God, which is what Adam was and Eve were tempted with, was being like God is a good outcome. As Christians, we are to be Christ imitators. We are to be like God. But breaking the one rule that God has given you is an evil and a logical means. So it is good to want to be married. And it's good to even want to have sexual relations within the confines of a marriage. But thinking that you can get a counterfeit version of that by indulging a prostitute on a street corner is an evil means. So, there's a difference here. And I, I go on to write, a Christian could confess should confess to God if they find themselves thinking, even for a split second, that sodomy looked good to him. That's a distinction that I don't believe that Doug Wilson makes here. In fact, he doesn't. He says quite the opposite. He says quite the opposite of that. He, he does not think that a Christian who thought, even for a split second, that sodomy looked good to him, should confess that sin. He doesn't. That, to me, is an example of side B theology. A person who believes in side B theology would also say that no sin was committed in the hypothetical example that Doug Wilson voluntarily gives. This is, an, uh, again, an unforced error in Doug Wilson's argument that, you know, you just 
pull the block and the whole tower crumbles. Except he's pulling the block because he's losing this game here. He's losing this argument. Doug Wilson calls an instance of sin not a sin and even commends the hypothetical person in the illustration for navigating the situation correctly. Doug Wilson would go on to say that homosexual desire is sin. Now, this is a... This is the end of the entire uh, article here. Because, again, he goes on for a long time and much ado about nothing. Like, most of these words serve no purpose in this article other than to, in my opinion, obfuscate. It's one of those, uh, you know, think about in a movie where they do techno babble to, like, get you to suspend your belief, your sp- suspend your disbelief on a particular subject. I think he's just kind of drowning you with a bunch of words, even though he's already undermined his entire argument. He's already promoted side B theology yet again. And he goes out and he points out in the latter part of the article, as I remember it, when the side B, when the revoice side B thing blew up, it was the Warhorn guys who are at the forefront of that battle. But there were a number of us who joined them in that fray. And all of us were steadfast in our opposition to the normalization and mainstreaming of being it, being gay without acting on it. That is not okay. And what we are talking about here is not the same thing. And I would argue, Doug Wilson, it is the same thing. This is the same issue. What you are talking about is being gay without acting on it because you have assigned homosexual orientation to apparently people in your own church as the videos we talked about last week, actually the previous week, considering it was a Saturday video, uh, would indicate. So, again, Doug Wilson is contradicting himself. He goes on to say, a man with homosexual temptations does not get to create an identity out of that any more than a man with polyamorous inclinations gets to create an identity that valorizes the concept of a harem full of blondes. Now, first of all, again, I want to point out that Doug Wilson is misusing terms here. Polyamorous uh, does not refer to a harem. A harem is not the same thing as polyamory. A harem is one guy with multiple, or one hub with multiple spokes, I guess, if that makes sense. One guy with multiple wives, or even the reverse, but the reverse is not really sustainable or logical. Uh, So, uh, King Solomon, for instance. Uh, One man with multiple wives. Not the same thing as polyamory, which would imply that the wives are also having sexual relations with each other. That's what I want to get at with Doug Wilson misusing words here. Uh, Just like he's misusing the word orientation. But if both men reject an identity shaped and defined by sin any sin and resolve by grace to resist temptations from the old man as soon as those temptations arise and they do so, then both men are living by faith in the same way and both can expect to hear well done, good and faithful servant. 
again, I agree with that last part there, the part that I bold to the end of that paragraph. I agree with that, but that's not the same thing as what Doug Wilson described in his hypothetical example. What Doug Wilson described in this hypothetical example is someone thinking, making a value judgment that something sinful is good. Even for a split second, they made a value judgment that that was good. Uh, if Jesus, you know, if Jesus is on the internet and that ad pops up, he's not going to think even for a split second that that is good. Doug Wilson, and I think this is largely the conclusion of the entire article, and if Christ can say that to a Christian with homosexual temptations, provided he has resisted them as the word requires, then I think it should be fully appropriate for a Christian pastor to say the same thing to him. So, I also want to rewind there. This isn't in my article, but I do want to go back to this part about Jared Moore in the conclusion section in the beginning of that, since I skipped ahead on that. I want to read this section for you. Uh, In conclusion, finally, the way Jared Moore framed all of this, it looked like various warriors in the fight against the Side B Revoice downgrade were serendipitously Side B advocates themselves. This is just frankly absurd. I don't think this is absurd, actually. This is the example of winning the battle. This is an example, and I'm not quoting Doug Wilson here. This is an example of winning the battle but losing the war. That is what Jared Moore is actually describing here. You fought side B theology, but you adopted it in the process. Uh, To me, this is like a lot of people in the church on the issue of, yeah, I don't use the word, I don't embrace the term complementarianism anymore because I prefer the word patriarchy because a lot of people embrace the term complementarianism in order to also embrace the same premises as many feminists. So there's an issue there that I believe is worthy of calling out. So I I think Jared Moore is still on the right here. And Doug Wilson is making, you know, that's a, to me, not a valid argument. This is frankly absurd. I noticed on Facebook that Robert Gagnon, a stalwart leader in the fight against homosexual, against the homosexual jihad, was being chastised by Moore in a similar way and on similar grounds. That is absurd also. Uh, just to be clear, I've, Jared Moore also called out Kevin DeYoung. I, I, I can't remember all the—and John Piper. I'm trying to remember all the other names. But again, Al Mohler also taught the same thing that, Al, uh, that uh, Doug Wilson was teaching here. To allege that Gagnon is soft on homosexual issues is like saying Patton was soft on Nazis. That's a logical fallacy, by the way. Uh, it is not a compromise or heresy to have a more careful doctrine of sanctification than Moore has. But Doug Wilson doesn't have a more careful doctrine of sanctification. Doug Wilson clearly has uh, a more careful... I, I believe Doug or Doug Wilson has a clearly lower standard of sanctification. I believe that Doug Wilson clearly has a lower standard of homartiology, which we're about to talk about in a second. He says... Doug Wilson goes on to say about Jared Morey, he says that my hamartiology is deficient, but my doctrine of sin is fully, but my doctrine of sin is fully confessional. 
It is not a sign of deficient hamartiology to refuse to build your view of fallen human choices out of the pre out of pressure treated fower by fowers. And he wants to appeal to his past uh, highlights on this issue, which to me is a logical fallacy because you're appealing to past instances where let's just assume that Doug Wilson was completely and biblically faithful in his criticism of Sam Alberry's book, his review of Wesley Hill's book, which are both side B theologists, by the way. But is wrong here. He's still preaching and teaching side B theology. In that video where he talked about gay people in his church, gay Christians in his church, his words basically paraphrased, he was still wrong on that issue. He was still sounding exactly like a side B theologist there. What we're talking about, what Jared Moore and Doug Wilson may be debating the ivory tower theological debate here. I am debating the street level application here, and it showed in that definite in that hypothetical example used by Doug Wilson, the hypothetical example of someone who sees the pop-up ad and thinks that it was good, even for a split second. They thought that the sodomy was good for a split second. That is sin. Doug Wilson says that that is not sin. Doug Wilson is on the side of side B theologists who would also say that is that this example is not sin. And the side A people would also agree with that, but they see no issue with this at all. But the orthodox position is that thinking that something, desiring, and in this case, calling something evil good, even in your heart, is still sin. So, That basically uh, takes us to the end here, but I do want to flash back at the article that I wrote just to wrap it up. We are talking about the same thing, Doug Wilson. And I think Doug Wilson also contradicts his previous affirmation of sexual orientation at the end of this article and clearly overlooks the hypothetical example in which he soft pedals the same ideology he previously said he vigorously opposed with extra steps. No amount of writing 4,000 words to re redefine a commonly used term can prevent this ideological house of cards from collapsing in on itself. We, will, we, as in the evangelical dark web, will renew its call for Doug Wilson to repent. And I made a nice meme here that should hopefully express my th feelings about it. It's not necessarily the best meme, but it's the meme that we needed, not the meme that we deserved. We deserve a better meme than this, but this is the one we need. Side B, and you know, this is a Rick and Morty meme. If you're familiar with uh, Rick and Morty, I believe this is season three. I haven't seen this show in years. Uh, the slavery, but with extra steps meme. Uh, side B theology is being gay without acting on it. What I'm teaching is that a Christian can have a homosexual orientation and when they are tempted with gay porn and momentarily think it is good, they didn't commit sin. That's side B theology with extra steps. And that's what I want to leave and hammer home today. Doug Wilson is teaching side B theology here. 
with extra steps. He's not simplifying it as much as the revoice movement. And even they kind of overcomplicate the issue because what we're talking about is what is sin? What is the definition of sin? What is the line that we can't cross? What is the standard of God's righteousness? That's what we're talking about here. Doug Wilson is wrong on this issue with extra steps, with more academic terminology, with more words. But it doesn't matter how long-winded he is, his argument collapsed on itself when he said that it was not sin for someone to think that it was good, to think that sodomy was good. So that's really all I got to say about that for now. We'll see if Doug Wilson does a follow-up on this. I doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, We'll see if this sequel turns into a trilogy. And have a blessed day. Let me know what you think about what I think. And like I said, subscribe to the channel if you are new or podcast if you are new. And I will catch you on the next one.